listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A team follow. Doyle branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Up shot. Oh, Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Houston, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yannis, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ayanis underscore five. And I'll toss it over to my second co-host, Dayon. What's up? I'm Dayon Dunlap. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. That's D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. And also be sure to follow the official Apollo H-O-U account for all Houston content. Not find anywhere else. And today we have a special guest. We have, we brought in the big guns. We're going to have UH men's basketball assistant coach, head coach in waiting, Kellen Sampson has been gracious enough to join us for the show. Let's get right into it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time of the day, man. How are you? Man, doing well. Appreciate you guys having us. It's um, uh, hard to believe it's, it's, it's hoop season already. Seems like we just got started with school. Um, <laughs> and uh, now it's already time to, you know, get this thing tipped off. And, and uh, got to remind folks sometimes around here that it's a tip off, not a kickoff. <laughs> But uh, right. get this thing tipped off and, and uh, let's get this version of the Cougs ready to rock and roll. For sure. We're coming on perfect timing off the heels of the red and white scrimmage. Um, obviously, I'm sure you were excited that you got to coach uh, the white team that ended up winning the scrimmage. I mean, let's start off from there. How good was it? I know it's just a scrimmage, but just to be in front of people and, and you know have a game-like atmosphere on Saturday. Man, just... Um... You know, I think after coming off of the pandemic and last year, you just learn not to take those moments for granted. Um, it's actually, uh, you know, our, some of our guys had nerves, um, which was pretty cool that uh, we get a chance to process some of those emotions and work through it. You know, um, you know obviously our, our new guys, Ramon, or our freshman Ramon, JVA, and, and, and Robbie, of course, we're going to have a couple nerves and some jitters, but, but even a guy like Jamal Shedd and Jamal Mark, um, Kieran Powell, who didn't necessarily get some of these sorts of moments last year um, because of they were freshmen in a, in a pandemic. Um, for them just to cycle through those emotions and, and be in a position to play and there's no restrictions with crowd and so on and so forth. And, and what a, what a treat that, you know, we, I felt like for a red white game on the day of a huge football game, trick or treat, Halloween weekend, Astros in the world series, it was a pretty good crowd. Um, and, and so tip of the cap to, to Cougar nation. And uh, I want to speak to you about Fabian, man. I know um, everyone is aware about him getting back as far as last year, but now he's taken for as a more of a leadership role, even more of a vocal role. Just talk about his development from when you first got your hands on the program and then where he is now expanding his range, being more of a vocal leader, just really evolving as a man. Yeah, I think that that you hit the nail on the head there, just evolving as a man. You know, the first time I saw Fabian White, he was a uh, he was 15 years old at Kingwood High School. Um, I went and saw him in an athletics period 
uh, in the fall of 2014. And uh, <clears throat> just kind of going from that moment where he, where he was a, I don't know if he was a five as much as he was a six. Um, and that all, everything that he did was just, you know, inside three feet working on post and ceiling and, and angles and high lows. And, and now you look at him today, uh, who he is um, seven years later, and he's a, he's a full-fledged forward, you know. Um, he does a lot of his work behind the three-point line. He's comfortable out there. Um, but, you know, one, one of the cool parts about Fabe is, is, has been watching his maturation just in how much he loves basketball come to, to full focus. You don't make the wholesale improvements that he's made unless you you make the decision as a, as a, as a human, as a man, that, that this isn't something I have a hobby or interest in. This is something I love. I, I want to commit my myself to basketball. And, and he has and he did. Um, okay, that was one. That was the basketball piece and component for him. He's, that, that, that's obviously a lot of times that's the easy part is, you know, it's just just putting the time and the sweat equity into the gym. But, you know, it's the intangible part of this program that, that I just couldn't be more thrilled for. Um, he's literally given his body for this place and this program in order for us to be successful. Uh, there's nobody who's invested more um, into University of Houston men's basketball program being successful than him. He's going to end up being our program's all-time winning as Cougar by a pretty wide margin. Um, he's going to... Uh, um, be hopefully be known and revered as, as a Cougar icon in that regard. Uh, and then the fact that he just feels so comfortable speaking and using his voice when, when, when people aren't, especially our new guys aren't adhering to the culture. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled, just thrilled with him, but I'm thrilled for him. Maybe uh, is a better way to put it. Well, staying on the topic of Fabian White on Saturday, Calvin Sampson said that if he had to pick one, one player that's probably been the best leading into this season, it would have to be Fabian White. Obviously, you mentioned how how long he's been with the program. Do you, do you see that from him, that he's a lot more locked in and he's really prepared for the season to start? Yeah, I mean, I, he's been our best player by, by, by a wide mile, honestly, uh, from day one to today. I think today's day, I don't know, whatever, training camp, training camp, it all kind of starts blurring as far as how many days, but just but bunching the clock day in, day out, his, you know, we've had some guys who, who maybe their their best day is, has been maybe better than Fabe's best day, but Fabe's worst day is really close to his best day. He's just been so consistent every single day with who he is, you know, things and tangible things that we track as a program as far as our rebounding uh, our rebounding goes, which is we, we, we track how often you give a, a a real genuine, sincere effort to rebound your rebound production, which is a rebound or a tip, um, which is a huge measuring tool for us. Um, Fabian, I think is, this is, we've had 23 practices. I think Fabian has led us in rebounding and tips um, like 19 times, something abs just astronomically crazy. And, you know, that alone, without even saying a word, he's leading. Um, you know, without even speaking and uttering a phrase, he's leading in a high, high fashion because every day he's doing it by example. Um, and then he's had days where he's combined scoring and rebounding. And now all of a sudden he's, he's taking the next step. But 
you know, and I'm going to give Justin Gorham a lot of credit. Justin had a great, great year last year, but Justin made a huge commitment to his body during the pandemic. Um, you know, it was nothing to see Justin running the campus loop in the dead heat of summer in the months of uh, June, July, August, September, getting his body in shape to, 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 to handle a heavy, heavy load. And the thing that Justin did last year, Justin was always a great tip guy. He, he got his hands on a lot of basketballs as a junior. And I think his last game of his junior year was Memphis. He had 12 tips, which is tremendous. What Justin did because of improved conditioning and an improved investment in his body is he was able to convert tips to rebounds. Well, you fast forward a year with Fabian. Fabian invested in his body. He finally had an offseason where he was healthy. He finally had an offseason, and not just uh, physically healthy. Fabian had an offseason where he was mentally healthy and that he wasn't coming off an injury for the first time. And uh, he was able to, to really take a big step with his investment in his body. And he was, you know, putting his, putting his miles on the road. He was on the track. He was leading guys. And we, he had – Fabian on his own had guys on the track this summer um, in the months of August when we were on break uh, just putting in the road work. You know, you look at a guy like Josh Carlton who showed up here. I think he was 251 pounds, which wasn't crazy given how big he is. But you know, Josh is playing somewhere south of 240. And a big part of that is is Fabian grabbing hold of him and, and, and putting in the extra time on the track. Coming right up on Pod Slam Jam, we continue our conversation with UH men's basketball assistant coach Kellen Sampson, right here on Pod Slam Jam, your home for UH athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. One of the players that Fabian mentioned um, that came back in the summer was really good was Jawan Roberts. He said he's knocking down his mid-range consistently and even making his three ball even more. And just from what I've seen for him, I feel like he may bring that energy, like going broad, just that that yeah. willingness to do whatever and highlight plays, blocks and all that. What have you seen from his development? And also Jamal Shedd, you mentioned that he was kind of nervous a little bit. I've called his junior and senior year in high school. And just from a point guard perspective, I feel like he's a lot of a pass first point guard. I know Houston fans are going to love him once they see him really fully develop. Just kind of speak to those two for me. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, one of the things with J1, and this is what I don't think I, we as a staff don't always appreciate it, but this is his third year with us, you know, and people think of, you know, he's a freshman. Or, but this is J one's third year. And usually a kid's third year is comfort level kind of sinks in, you know, he's not, you know, most freshmen when they first get around coach Sampson, they're a little nervous, a little jittery, they're uneasy. He's so tough. He's so they can't get a, a read on him. By the time you're into your sophomore year, you, you kind of can read coach, you can read his moods, you can read his mind. You kind of can get a feel for, you know, what, what, what the t- temperatures in the day and then by the time you get to your third year hey look you always know what time it is you know what the score is you 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 know what every what's required of you every day Jay wants there you know, in his third year he knows what's required of him every single day and there's a comfort I think he's comfortable in 
the rhythm and the consistency of being in, in a high level program. And, and, and when you get there, your, your talent can show. Um, and I think that that's such an evolution and that's such a process. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I think that you look at us, we, we've lost four starters three straight years. And yet we've made, we've built and we've been more successful almost every single year. And I think part of that is we, we also haven't had to sign a starter in, in a long time here. Um, this year maybe being a little different with Kyler, but part of that is guys that are here in our program, they, they develop, they get better, they get a little, they get more and more comfortable within our system. And I think Jay wants a big product of that. He added some things to his game and, and, uh, you know, his next step is just having going from, I know what to do. I'm confident what I'm doing to having swagger with what I'm doing. And, and that's something that we're, we're challenging him with. And, and, and he's, he's earned the right to, to feel and play with swagger. Um, he's expanded his game. He's put in the time, he's put in the sweat equity trans put, you know, as I said, Justin was able to take tips and convert them to rebound. Jaywan, you need to, you know, Jaywan's challenges. Can he convert his sweat equity into production? Uh, he's ready for it. He's there. Uh, he, he just kind of has to do it. And as far as Jamal, Jamal's an alpha dog in, in the best of senses and that he, he doesn't, he's comfortable in a leadership role. And that's a huge compliment to him uh, and really his mom and dad and that they, that they raise somebody that, that's comfortable uh, being in control of, of an offense. And he, you know, Jamal's one of those rare kids that, you know, he feels, com- he is really comfortable in front of adults. He's really comfortable leading men, I think. I heard somebody say that about Mike Tomlin, the, the Steelers head coach here recently. They said that what makes him such a great head coach is that he's comfortable leading men. Um, and, uh, you know, Jamal's, Jamal's really comfortable in his own skin in that regard. Um, and again, he's just in his, he's in his evolution. He's in his journey as a player. Uh, he's in his second year. He should have some, he's got a lot of familiarity with our system and what we ask of, of him and what we ask of the position. And I think in a lot of ways, we've always, and maybe it's a lazy and out or lazy approach. But we've always kind of compared him to Galen Robinson with where Galen was. Galen had the fortune of, of being with us at a time when maybe we weren't very good as a program. So he had some opportunities as a freshman and sophomore that uh, um, maybe Jamal hasn't had. Jamal's freshman year, we went to a Final Four, whereas Galen's freshman year, we went to an NIT. So probably not fair to compare the situations. But I think he's on uh, – he's probably actually ahead of where Galen was as a second-year kid um, in a lot of ways. And so we're, we're, we're excited about Jamal. You know, one of those other players that you just mentioned uh, touched on was Kyler Edwards, who obviously you know, having a transfer over from another program just in it in itself has to do – there's a lot of transition, a lot of adjustments you have to make. What have you seen from him and has – what has been his biggest strength since transitioning over, but maybe also something that he's had to really have to focus on to transition into the UH program? I think one of the things with, with Kyler is he's come he came from a program – that won. He came from a program that was about the right stuff. He came from a program that they coached him and they coached him hard and they held him accountable. And so this, he wasn't overwhelmed by our program. Um, there's differences and there's, there's some, an adjustment period, but it's the, the bare bones and, and the nuts and bolts of Texas Tech and what they uh, are about and what they try to pride themselves on, it's really similar to us. Um, 
And, and that's one of the reasons we were so attracted to him in the recruiting process. Hey, he's another kid I've known since he was 15 years old. But uh, we, we knew on a transfer, he was going to walk through the door having been coached. He was going to walk through the door having been a part of, of a really good program. You know, he, he, not only did he play in a national championship game, Kyler played really well in a national championship game. He had 12 points as a true freshman against Virginia in a national championship game. So um, I think one of the things that just jumps out at you automatically is no moment is too big for him. Um, and that he, he is an experienced guard, you know, even comparing him to say Quentin, you know, Kyler's probably ahead of where Quentin was um, when Quentin's first year here. Hey, Kyler's a year uh, is two years older than Quentin was at the same uh, on his transfer. Um, but, uh, you know, Kyler's walking through the door having been pretty productive and successful. His coach left and he didn't, you know, the situation changed. If coach Beard had stayed at Texas Tech, Kyler would have stayed, you know, and so it's not like he went through this adversity or, or rocky moment or anything like that. The sand beneath his feet shifted. He, he sought another opportunity. I think one of the biggest differences for Kyler here compared to maybe at Texas Tech is uh, we don't run the motion. And so there's a, there's a little bit more of a freedom um, and a little bit more of opportunities to, to play more free. In, in our system and our structure with what we do that maybe he had at Texas Tech. That's not an indictment on Tech. It's just a, a difference in the two programs. But um, he's he's tough. He's defensive-minded. He knows how to work within a defensive system and structure. Um, he's been um, – Ky Kyler has been uh, a really, really bright spot so far. Uh, Coach, we talk, always talk a lot about players' development, but I'm interested to hear over the last two years, two seasons, what would you say you've grown in and developed in as the coach? It could uh, be from, I, from your father or just sure. in general. Sure. I, you know, and I'm so blessed in that, you know, you know, my, my take my dad, the, the, the father component aside, I'm blessed that I work for a head coach that really uh, empowers all of us as assistant coaches to grow. Um, and he, he, he allows us as coaches to coach. You know, there's a lot of head coaches across the country that just ask that just ask their assistants to recruit. Um, whereas, whereas Coach Sampson is really on us and he holds us accountable and he really empowers us to be uh, coaches. You know, he says, you guys aren't recruiters. You're, you're assistant basketball coaches, coach basketball. That what comes with that job is recruiting. Um and identifying and being able to acquire talent, but be basketball minds, be basketball savants, be basketball coaches. And so I think that just preparing maybe in the, in the last two years, just thinking more along the lines of, 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 of a head coach, kind of helping coach plan and, and, and navigate the program uh, more so in the last two years than maybe I did in the first five. Part of that is, um, you know, I, I said it the other day, but from a recruiting standpoint, you know, our product is pretty good in the streets. Um, and, uh, you know, kids today don't remember us being bad. Kids today don't remember us not having great facilities. There's not a single kid that I'm recruiting in the 22, 23 or 24 class that ever stepped foot in Hoffman's. 
Um, there's not a single kid that even knows what Hoffines is. And that's not an indictment on the youth of society. It's just a reality that we live in a popcorn society. The last year that Hoffines was up and operational was 2017. The class of 2023 were sixth graders. You know, that, that time, it, you know, evolution happened. And that's a good thing. And so from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, we're, we're able to push a pretty good brand. We're able to, to, to point to some tangible things that, um, you know, really move the needle from a recruiting standpoint. So, and saying that, uh, you know, we're able to focus a little bit more and get a little bit more uh, excited about, um, you know, program stuff. Right. Along those lines, when it comes to recruiting, I, I have to ask um, how, how big of an impact really do you think that the move to the Big 12 will have on you? Or do you feel like you guys were already at a point where, I mean, honestly, it doesn't, especially for like men's basketball, it doesn't matter as much to say when you compare it to football and other sports like that. Do you think that'll have an even bigger impact for y'all? Or, I mean, it's just business as usual for y'all. A little bit more, you know, I think the, the move to the Big 12 is certainly tremendous and terrific for our athletics department. Um, I think that of all the programs within our department, I think that men's basketball may be, maybe um, will receive the less of a, the, the least tidal wave. I mean, the last, you know, three years we've been to a Sweet 16, a Final Four, and we've had four players get to the NBA. Um, life's pretty good in the American. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that um, – you know, the Big 12 is such a powerful move for us. And I think one of the things that's exciting for us is I think that not only are we going to be ready to be in the, the Big 12, I think we're going to be ready to compete at a high level in the Big 12. Um, and that's kind of been our challenge within our walls is, you know, I think, you know, coming off the Final Four, um, you know, kind of the challenge has been we need to keep, owning our sandbox recruiting wise, we need to keep owning our sandbox as far as who we are as a program. Um, but now can we get to the 99th hundredth level of our sandbox? You know, our wheels not broke, you know, what we, what we were doing and, and, and the, the course that we picked, you know, eight years ago was right. Uh, what we need to do is keep getting every last drop out of, our, our course heading and uh, uh, moving to the big 12, I think unlocks the potential of what we can do. Um, there's certainly been moments in recruiting where um, it's, it, it's, it's an elephant in the room with us. Hey coach, we like everything about you. Uh, it's just the, the opportunity to compete against the highest of competition, the big 12. And we've had to answer that question. Uh, there's, there's no question. Believe it or not, this was the first cycle. I think that we, we actually didn't have to, you know, Houston was strong. You know, we, we said it a lot. This last cycle was the first cycle that, you know, Houston was enough. It was, we didn't get held hostage by anything. Houston was enough this last cycle. Um, and now that we're moving to the Big 12, I think that it just, again, it's one less, it's one less box we have to check in recruiting. I think it's one less box that it'll, that, that we have to check um, maybe from a scheduling standpoint. I don't know if we have to seek, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll change maybe what we do scheduling non-conference wise a little bit. And then we don't necessarily have to be 
seek crazy, crazy non-conference home and homes or, or neutral site or, or MTEs, we, we get a chance to maybe be a little bit more strategic because we know that, you know, you're going to get um, some, some, some scheduling opportunities within your our conference that maybe we haven't had the last couple of years. But for the most part, I, I think there'll, there'll be some business as usual aspects to, to what we do. Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jam, we continue our conversation with UH men's basketball assistant coach, Kellen Sampson. Right here on Pots Gamma Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. A two-part question, Coach. I rewatched the Baylor game. And uh, I know a lot of people call David. We watched the series. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is actually a compliment, though, because they called David and David on Mitchell off night. But Marcus Sasser gave him buckets that yep. throughout the entire game. And so yep. I can't leave without asking about Marcus Sasser. He's going to be asked to take a next step. So what's his next step um, for him in his game? And what do you expect for him this season? And also, you were just talking about kind of the program. What's the next step for the program? to stay in the trajectory of where you guys are going. Yeah, I think that the next step for Marcus is becoming a full-time point guard, you know, and I think that he's ready for it. I think he's, um, you know, you lose Dejan. Um, the evolution has gone from Galen Robinson, who was a four-year point guard. Dejan Giroux was a two-year two starter, but three-year major player. You know, that that, that 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 torch gets passed to Marcus in a major way. Um, you know, we knew we were losing Quentin, um, you know, like I told you this time last year, we were losing Quentin, but, uh, you know, we knew we were seeking out a big time transfer. You know, we, we specifically built our recruiting class uh, last fall based on the fact that going into the spring, you know, we weren't going to replace Quentin with a freshman. Um, and, and so we, we knew we were going to seek a big time transfer. Obviously, that was Kyle Edwards. But we didn't think we needed to sign a point guard. We thought that it was going to be Marcus. We thought that last year is that his evolution as a player and who he was going to be from year one to year two to, okay, now year three, um, he was going to be able to take the mantle and be um, a real deal PG. And so I think you'll see a little bit more of a, of a, uh, of a guy that's using ball screens and, and getting guys involved. Um, I think that you're going to see somebody that's a bit more of a facilitator than he's been in, 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 a, in the best of ways. Um, I think that uh, there'll be times we play Jamal and Marcus together and Marcus will be a player that he's, that he's always been and play off the ball and just kind of, you know, you know, as you said, a bucket getting mode. Um, but the next step for, for Marcus is, and I think it's the next step for him professionally too, is to prove that he can be a day in, day out, possession to possession uh, PG. And uh, he's ready for it. He's, he's had a good training camp. I mean, he's, he's had moments where, um, He's been absolutely terrific as a as a facilitating passer, getting uh, holding the defense accountable at all three levels. And then there's days and moments where he reminds everybody that, that he is a walking bucket. So um, it'll be a it'll be a final. He'll have some gro- some some growing moments with that, and it, it, he'll have some some learning moments along the way of trying to balance the two. You know, he doesn't need to be. Um, Pass first, pass second, pass third. That's not who he is. That's not what we're asking him to be. 
Um, and so there'll be some, uh, it'll be a balancing juggling act for Marks. We, we need him to score too. And so it'll be fun. Uh, kind of piggybacking off that question along those lines, what's the next step that you feel Tremont Mark has to take? Obviously, last season is his true freshman year. I guess technically still going to be a freshman coming into this year, but he, he kind of showed in splashes what he can be. I mean, just look at the NCAA tournament with the big tip-in he had and, yeah. and helped you guys launch into the tournament. What What's the next step for him? I think just, you know, and I think that one of the things that people uh, will appreciate about Tremont, and I it was just criminal that he wasn't on the all-freshman team and that it, it's hard for freshmen to impact good teams. I mean, Baylor won the national championship last year and didn't play a freshman at all. Uh, their best freshman had more DNPs than he did game play, or at least as many. And so I don't think Tremont got the credit for being a counted contributor on a really, really good team last year. You know, I thought that, that you know, when you have four guys on the all-conference team, somebody gets asked to get shafted. And I thought it was Tremont. I thought, I thought it was extremely, extremely negligible on the, on the league's part to not put him on the all-freshman team. But, uh, you know, people forget Tremont was rolling at the beginning of his freshman year. And he was average. He was like our, one of our three or four leading scorers. Um, and not to get too far, Tremont got COVID real bad. And it impacted me. It hit him like a tidal wave. Um, and he just struggled to kind of find his footing there for a couple of weeks, a couple, two or three weeks there afterwards. First part of January, conference plays kicking in. And uh, scouting reports start getting a little bit more defined. And, and then I thought he caught a really, a really good groove probably our last five weeks of the year, all of March. You know, he hits the big shot against Memphis. But if you look up, he played 28 minutes against Memphis. You know, that, that spoke to how well he was playing is that coach trusted him in that moment. Um, I thought one of the things that got Tremont to is for the first time in his life, he was learning how to come off the bench. Um, and he was learning how to be a complimentary piece, which is always, a, a, you know, a tough transition. Um, if you look at the games that, you know, Quentin had a little bit of a foot deal at Tulane last year. And so we started Tremonti as 19. You know, but Tremont was comfortable, and I think that he's another guy. He's really comfortable being in a leading role. And so, like, the next step for him is being a – just be a leading role guy. Be, be – understand mentally that you're going to get you're, – you're going to be counted on every single night, every single possession. We're, we're counting on you to, to, to be a uh, – to be a scorer that you've always been, um, you know, in an age of analytics and an age of – you know, mid-range jumpers are bad. Uh, he tossed that out the window with Tremont. We're, we're, he, he's a mid-range monster, and uh, we're going to let him get to his mid-range and pull-ups. That's where he's really effective. Uh, we would be silly to to tell him not to do that. So um, I, I think Tremont could, could very easily lead us in score. I think he's that good. I think he's, he, he's ready to do that. Uh, Coach, from a family um, perspective, and to tell from you, um, Coach Samson, um, Lawrence Samson, what does it mean to you guys as a family to kind of help rebuild a program who had a struggle before you all arrived to have the success that you had? Just an unbelievable sense of, of accomplishment. But, you know, you talk about my sister and my dad and obviously their, their blood family. I've known Hollis Price since I was 12 years old. Um, I've known Qantas White since I was 14 years old. 
those guys are the are big brothers to me. Um, you know, that's a 25, almost 25 year relationship with Hollis. It's an almost 22 year relationship with, with Kwanis. So, um, you know, to be able to kind of do it with them, I think it, it's, um, it's a, you know, give coach all the credit in the world. It's a really good business model for, for anybody to follow is that, you know, um, in, trust and empower those that, that are closest to you. Um, you don't need to go outside the box or reinvent the wheel or, um, you know, none of us probably were qualified <laughs> for her, for the jobs that, that he gave us or the opportunities that he gave us, um, you know, on the front end, you know, Casey Beard is a guy that's been with us day one minute one year eight with him. Um, you know, uh, Alan Bishop, our strength coach, you know, none of us had ever worked at a high major power five, uh, job prior to this. Uh, and so maybe, maybe none of our resumes would screen that, that look, we were proven that outside of Alvin Brooks, who we just lost obviously, but, um, but coach trusted us. He, he empowered us. He believed in us and he led us. And, and I think that, that, uh, we are a byproduct of, we've got the absolute, yes, he's a head coach. Yes. He's a, he's, he's the, the basketball coach, but I, I, I can't think of a better CEO, um, than Kelvin Sampson. And the fact that, uh, we get a chance to lead or follow him. He's, he has developed all of us, uh, to be, uh, a pretty high level staff. And, uh, the fact that we did it together, we did it our way. Uh, this is the first year maybe we've had any staff movement. Mikhail McLean's another one. Um, he was with us one, one year as a player, six years on our staff. There's nothing that says that he was qualified to do what he did. Um, I think speaks to just how awesome of a CEO Coach Sampson is. Um, and so the fulfillment, I think, from a personal level comes in the fact that, uh, you know, somebody who is all of our hero, somebody that's all of our mentor, believed in us enough to give us a chance to, to, to do it. You know, he didn't hold our hands. He didn't string us, you know, he, he just held us accountable. And, and in a lot of ways, he, he just kind of released his hands and let us grow how we grew. And seven years later, we're, we're, we're in a fight. We're in a fight to get the Monday night. <laughs> well, Ketlin, that's pretty much going to do it. I'll leave you with this question. Obviously you guys, Going to have the first exhibition game this Saturday against Montana Tech. You guys start the regular season next Tuesday. I mean, what, what's the message you got to give to, to UH fans for this upcoming season? Yeah, just, um, um, you know, I think that this is a new team and a new chapter, a new journey, a new moment. Um we're fired up and we are thrilled and, and, and we'll, we're going to celebrate the final four forever, but let this team have its own year. Let them have its own mission and let's be thrilled and be through the roof, excited about all of their, every moment of their journey. Um, I think that was one of the hardest things that we had to do as a staff is, is to really put a period next to the final four and start again, start the new chapter, start the new sentence, start the new um, you know, journey with this group. And, and I ask our, our fans to do the same. 
is, is embrace. Don't compare this team to, to anything else. Just cherish this moment that we have with these guys. And I think that, that, you know, I read a quote and I think it's so, um, so apt for where we're at as a program, but, but comparison is the thief of all joy. Um, don't compare this year's team to, to last year. That's not fair to, to either of them. It's not fair to the final four team. It's not fair to this year's team. This team will be magical in its own way. And, and this team will be, um, will be thrilling. It will be um, dynamic in its own way and, and, and share it and, and, and be thrilled for it. And let's live in the moment of this year's team together. Um, will we go 28 and four? Good. Will we go to a final four? Good. You know, I've said it a bunch. You know, people ask me, are you going back to a final four? Hell, we didn't try to go last year. <laughs> it just happened. Now, I don't know. I think that you're, 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 you're drunk if you plan on going to a final four. You know, you just try to be the best version of yourself you can every single day. And, 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 and if you're fortunate enough and you work hard enough, you're going to put yourself in a position for good things to happen. And I think that my message for Cougar Nation is let's live in the moment with this team. Um, on the nights that we're pretty good, be excited for us. On the nights that, that uh, we're not, believe in us. We're, we're, we've got a pretty good track record of, of being something to be proud of at the end of the year. We'll leave it on that note. Once again, that's UH men's basketball assistant coach, Kellen Sampson. Thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. And looking forward to another season. Go, Coach. See you guys out for Cheetah Center. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. Yep.